generally they're all in the room together. It is so much easier to work with the team when it's on the ground. Yeah. Um, but we do have combines with specialists. Yeah. So the referrals written for the specialist and then I will telehealth specialist in. So the client will be here, the doctor, um, myself quite often because apart from being a naturopath, I'm the coordinator of this care and I'm kind of scooping all the clues up as we go along and working out how we shuffle the process. But the um, specialist will come in too. We'll get the specialist to talk to us, to talk to the patient. So the patient will be paying for the specialist time, the doctor's time and the naturopath's time. But if they're on site, uh, yeah, we'll all be sitting in the same room and the client will come and sit in the same room as us. And we'll have a combined session. Um, it can sometimes, if there's a lot of work to do, Mm. Those sessions can be really intense. It's quite exhausting for the patient. It is like having three consultations in the one hour. Um, so our really weak patients will might make them shorter. We might only make them 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And we get them to lie down during the consultation. We ask them to bring a family member if cognition's not great or you know if they do fatigue easily, um, which Helps. So sometimes there'll be five of us in the room or six of us in the room, um, and everybody's writing notes. Um, all the practitioners have laptops, and they're all entering into their medical data in real time. Welcome to the Metagenics Best Practice Podcast, standing on the shoulders of giants. Practitioner to practitioner conversations to inspire and mentor you in your own professional journey. Join Angela Carroll as she meets with practitioners from around Australia and New Zealand and hears how they work, live and grow in the natural medicine field. The joy of seeing a 20-year clinic vision come to fruition is enlivening for Ren Dubois. Ren is the clinical director, founder and senior naturopath at the Health Lodge in Byron Bay, which is an integrated medical centre. This was her dream. And what Ren has found is that working in isolation can be exhausting. So for best patient care, Ren works in with other healthcare practitioners forming an integrated team using a novel combined healthcare model, a clear vision of good healthcare. Could this coordinated team approach be your dream too? Ren, how did this novel vision and model come about? The Health Lodge was a vision uh, that I had when I graduated 20 years ago. I've been in practice 20 years. And I knew that working in isolation, I was not going to be able to achieve the results that I wanted for my patients. And that I had to start working in more collectively with health practitioners like doctors. And that if I just sat in a room waiting for patients to come to me, uh, I didn't feel like I'd have enough exposure, so I sent out letters to all of the doctors uh, in my local area suggesting that we work together and um, started working in my first medical practice in 1999 and doing uh, working in with doctors. And it's where I developed the model of combined consultations. And uh, this is where the client would book in with me and the doctor at the same time and we would brainstorm their healthcare and I would look at it from a naturopathic nutritional perspective and the doctor would look at it from more of a medical perspective and we would just bridge that gap. 
Nice. Okay. And so that, that's when you created, that's perfect. That's, um, so that's when you created the Health Lodge? Yes. Well, that was, I was 10 years working in a medical centre with a team of, uh, there was about six doctors. And then the, the principal of that practice also was quite relaxed. And, you know, I said, I've got a vision. I think I know what good healthcare looks like. It looks like doctors and naturopaths and psychologists and osteopaths all working together. And he said, go for it. Right. So he really gave me free reign to develop the model within his practice. Mm -hmm. And um, so then I brought in quite a few psychologists into the team, uh, an osteopath, an acupuncturist joined the team. And I started coordinating appointments in and amongst the team and then developed team meetings, um, where in the early days, everybody was in my room um, and we'd have a meeting on the client and we'd all get a, a um, combined direction for the patient rather than just trying to treat here and there haphazardly. So it was a coordinated approach that developed. And then I realized I just needed a bit more space. I also had a lot of patients flying in from all around Australia and um, to beautiful Byron Bay. Um, and I was renting houses and then I started hiring chefs and carers and realized that what I really needed to do was to find my own premises that also had accommodation attached to it. And um, so I eventually brought an old backpackers in Byron Bay and we've converted it into um, what I hope to one day be able to call an integrative hospital. Um, but we can't use the hate word just yet. There's a few too many regulations to use that word. So it's an integrative health facility that has residential offerings attached to it at this stage. I remember um, not long coming and visiting you actually, your 50th birthday. It was a fun night. Um, I remember when I first went down there and it wasn't, you hadn't had it very long at that stage. And so I think I would actually use the word transform. I think you transform the uh, backpackers into the health lodge that you have now and a big difference when I came back and saw it again last year or beginning of this year actually looking really good thank you the building was pretty much derelict it when was we, brought it. <laughs> and, um, we had it was kind of like my house rules on steroids because I had to get those doors open fast um, because it's not cheap to set up in Byron Bay and um, I remember the bank manager drove past at one point and said, I've never seen so many tradespeople in one place at one time. <laughs> so it was, we were lucky that uh, we got backing. Um, you know, it's lots of business cases. Um, and eventually um, one of the banks agreed to back it, could really see that this was potentially the future of medicine. Mm. And so I've had quite a few champions on the journey but one thing that has been clear is I've had a very solid vision of what good medicine looks like. And it's never changed, not from the very first day that I graduated to now. That vision is still solid in my mind. And there's been a lot of people along the way that have, have questioned the vision and asked if, um, you know, if it's realistic mm. and... But the results that I have seen with patients with complex health conditions, it just reiterates that it, it, it is 
it is important that we start collaborating. Um, everybody who works here, all of the practitioners agree that working in isolation is exhausting mm. um, and it's frustrating because you can't quite get the patients the support they need um, and it's less than satisfying mm. for a lot of them as well. So a lot of practitioners that I have on the team, and I think we've got 23 practitioners on the team and I coordinate all of them. Um, they really love that they can just do their modality well and trust that the other people on the team will take care of the other aspects of health um, because it's layered. As we know, it's not just physiological, it's psychological, it's spiritual, it's, uh, it's emotional. Um, but the physiological part's pretty complex and that's certainly um, where my passion is as a naturopath. Yeah. So with, with the clinic as it is at the moment, um, you, you'll, you're eventually going to put accommodation in. I know you've got a beautiful yoga lodge at the back and you've got... Um, you know, lots of different rooms, lots of different practitioners, as you said, 23 staff. Um, I remember coming and we had a staff meeting. So it was a round table meeting mm -hmm. where everyone was contributing their ideas, cases coming into the middle. So you've really fostered a team spirit there. And I think that you couldn't come into your practice without having a team mentality and being a team player. No. And it's um, in the early days when I was still working this model out, you know, I thought everybody wanted to work as a team, but that's actually not the case, yeah. Angela. Some people really do love a solo practice and because there's other obligations when you start working as a team that not everybody's happy to meet. Mm. Um, there's, there's privileges and benefits, but then there's other, other different obligations. Yeah. And um, we run the team meetings twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. And um, we, we do actually have the residential card and patients do come and stay, not in COVID at the yeah. moment, but yeah. they do come and stay. Uh, we run what we call medical retreats and at minimum 10 days. We found you can't really shift a mountain in after 10, in under 10 days. Yeah. And um, so those patients always get brought to the table first, the patients that are on site, residential, that the whole team will generally be working on. Mm -hmm. And then uh, those that are doing day patients where there'll be a little program set up for them and they'll be seeing two or three or four of the team, they'll come to the table. And then there's those, just the outpatients that are complex. Um, I've actually got a case at the moment with a really, really complex gut condition. Mm. And um, she's done incredibly well. We've really cleaned up this, the most comprehensive pathogen list I've ever seen, um, but she's still symptomatic. And so this morning I took her back to the team and I was like, you know, what am I missing? There's this, still this symptom and this histamine picture and she's still really itchy. And what am I missing? And, you know, it's great just to unpack it with the team and they can go, okay, Ren, it's sounding really SIBO, get some SIBO testing done. It's sounding like it's been in the small intestine. Because sometimes you get in so close with the patient that you lose that big perspective as well. So it's lovely to bring that back to the team meeting and just go, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. and get that broader picture. So we can, any, any practitioner can bring any patient to the table. We just schedule them in on... Um, Tuesdays and Fridays 
And for us as practitioners, the learning is profound. Yes. Yeah, what I know now as a naturopath, five years into this model, and we've only had the Health Lodge for five years, um, and I was working collaboratively for the other 15, but not to the same extent where we're doing the team meetings, is it's leagues away from the naturopath that I was before we started running these team meetings twice a week. Yes. And they're a commitment, the team meetings. Um, you know, nobody gets paid. But how we get reimbursed is the knowledge that we gain you from having a, a collaborative discussion exactly and and then we can take that back to our patients and they you know they get better results and for most people that go into the industry angela i feel like we we do it for the income possibly mostly but i think we do it for the reward of being able to really help people on their journeys back to wellness and it can be really frustrating when you've just got complex patients, nobody's getting better, you don't get your reward. And I think that's where we fatigue as yes. practitioners. Um, and so where if you've got a team that you can bounce things off of, and I think the mentor program works well here too. Psychologists have done this really well for a long time. They've built into the modality that you have to have a supervisor. Right. Yeah. You can't just work in isolation. You have to have somebody that you're running cases past to make sure you're not, you know, doing weird stuff. Um, so I feel like every modality, but in particular naturopathy, really needs a touchstone. Um, I definitely agree. And that, that is, there is a movement towards that. I definitely am seeing that right across the industry. Yeah. A lot more practitioners Very. work, you know, 10 years, mm -hmm. 15 years, 30 years experience under their belt are now coming in and mentoring, actively mentoring and, and any practitioner who wanted mentorship, there's, there's plentitude of people mm. around for that. Um, one of the things that I actually really did notice and did really like about your team meetings was the, you, you come to the team meetings and it's even hearing you speak about it now is, is what reminded me of it is that the team comes together with humility. Uh, you, you know, I don't know all the answers. What, what's actually going on here? What am I missing? Uh, I think when you're in sole practice or when you don't have a team, it, you, you tend to, I must know everything and I must you know, cover this off myself. And if I don't, then I'm not a good practitioner. And uh, I think that um, you, know, you offer a platform for that humility to, be, I to find the answers. So there's two points to talk into there, Angela. One is, um, I think for a lot of us, Nats, we think that we need to be everything to our patients and we, get, we really get pigeonholed into that role of trying to be the psychologist and be the doctor in the equation, juggling the medications and be the naturopath. Um, and and be the homeopath and I feel like that's that's one uh, that's a separate issue the humility is um, you know as I said in the early days I didn't realize who were the right team members to have on and I have got quite a comprehensive screening process now where I know who who is going to work in a team and who is actually going to be triggered by working in a team um, and it's, I've put them into two categories there. Um, 
there's practitioner-centric practitioners uh-huh. and there's patient-centric practitioners. And the original model and how most healthcare providers have been trained is to be practitioner-centric. Agreed. You, you run the books, you allocate the appointment times, your patient turns up, you apply the treatment and your patient follows the treatment. Mm. And your modality is key and your modality holds all the answers. This is a practitioner-centric framework. A patient-centric framework puts the patient at the centre of the equation and the practitioners then are assisting that patient on their journey. The practitioner-centric model, um, sorry, the patient-centric model is aware that the patient actually is the key physician, the primary physician in the equation, and the practitioners are just assisting in that journey. So two things needs to happen. Obviously for a team, you have to have a team of patient-centric practitioners that are happy to put the patient at the center and just discuss it openly without believing that their modality holds all the answers. Practitioners will stand out pretty fast in a team meeting. It's interesting how quickly they identify themselves in a team meeting. And it's awkward for everyone, that little moment where they go, oh, this is all rubbish. Uh, TCM holds all the answers. Just send them to me. I'll sort this out. You know, and it's just a little moment where everybody kind of stops and goes, hmm, okay. And it's, it's always that little awkward moment, but you only need to attend one or two meetings to know which which one you are and the team meeting will either light you up or it will really press your buttons. And so it's pretty easy now to go, okay, the team process isn't quite for you. And it doesn't mean those practitioners aren't great practitioners. They're amazing practitioners. Um, It's just not, doesn't work with a team. That's a really great That that humility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you had a second point you were going to talk about on with regards yeah, to Yeah, just that needing to be everything to everyone mm-hmm. and um, how depleting that is. Um, and it really does dilute your ability to be great mm-hmm. at your core calling or your core passion. Um, and the micro example, and I know you're both TCM and Nat and um, you know they're two really big modalities in and unto themselves and to stay abreast of both of those modalities you have to be pretty amazing mm. to do both which I know you are Angela and um, my experience when I started when I graduated from metropathy I was like right I need to go on and I need to study TCM and right I need to go on and study homeopathy and oh look I may as well go and just study medicine as well I need to get it all I need to be I need to have all of this knowledge to be able to help my patients. And that's when I went, hang on, hang on, hang on. Maybe I just need to be a really good naturopath and I need to work in with the good TCM practitioner and I need to work in with the good doctor. And so I really kind of gave my, myself permission not to try and be everything mm. in that modality. And just staying abreast of the latest in metropathy, that is hard work. You have to There's be attending conferences reading literature constantly um you know what was a great treatment one year is now contraindicated the next 
health is evolving, our knowledge is evolving, our treatment protocols are evolving. And um, yeah, so I would, I would hate to be trying to stay abreast of all the other modalities. Yeah, absolutely. As well. I, think, I think one of the, I mean, one of the main reasons, or well, the main reason that I actually wanted to speak to you today on the podcast was really to um, talk to you about groups. And I contacted you and said, oh, you know, I know you run groups, uh, group consultations in your practice. Let's talk about that. And you went, yep. And I didn't realise that your group version was different too my group version um i was thinking you know have one practitioner or two practitioners seeing a group of patients together to cut costs down for the patients to maximize practitioner time prevent burnout and so forth but you operate yours differently you have one patient and multiple practitioners which i thought was fascinating can we talk about that a bit now yeah so it's it's expensive should probably put that on the table up front and most patients are like well how can somebody afford that how can they afford to see me and an integrative doctor um, and and so you know uh, the first thing is to talk about is that the cost to the patient there is some medicare rebates uh, with the psychologists and the doctors but mostly the clients are out of pocket um, where the clients so, you know what, I'm just going to somehow afford this. And, you know, there is those that are, are financially fine, but I'm going to go 70% of our clients. They're having to get really smart with their budgeting to afford this service. But the value is really clear to them. And most of these clients would have a naturopath. They would have a doctor. They would have a psychologist. But they would be seeing them independently and trying to share the information themselves between them. And what this just does is in the one hour, they have their session with their naturopath, their doctor, not often their psychologist, but occasionally if we need that input. So they're paying the same amount, but they're not having to run backwards and forwards to these different practitioners. Um, but it feels like a lot in one go when you pay it in one go. The benefit is um, just a really beautiful open dialogue where, you know, as a naturopath, there's a lot of medical stuff I'm not confident with, but I can turn to the doctor and go, so these medications we're using for these reasons, if I was to bring herbs in, we'll have to monitor those medications because they may become too strong. And then the psychologist can say, well, if I bring this strategy in and you bring those herbs in, then maybe we can reduce those antidepressants. And so we can, in real time, enact um a treatment plan and so what the group consultations do is they really speed up the process with which somebody can move through a chronic health condition and the retreats do it even faster so you can imagine if you drop somebody into a 10-day retreat and they're working on their health from sun up till sundown as opposed to having one hour once a month you know, you can see how slow that process can be for some people. Mm. It's, you know, it's like walking through mud sometimes or walking uphill and you get to your next appointment four weeks later and they're like, nothing's changed. It's like, nothing? Really? And you've lost that whole month and they're becoming more disheartened. It's so not, I would say... For their money either at that time too so if they're not getting the results yes. they're paying but then they're not getting anything from it that's 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 a very expensive consultation yeah. 
Um, so I'm curious, how does that work, Ren? How does it how does it work? So do you have a patient there? I'm I'm doing a visual at the moment. So a patient sitting yeah. there and I've got three practitioners on a panel. Are they all in yeah. the room together and or do you consult out? No, they're all well generally they're all in the room together. It is so much easier to work with the team when it's on the ground. Yeah. Um, but we do have combines with specialists. Yeah. So the referrals written for the specialist and then I will telehealth the specialist in. So the client will be here, the doctor, um, myself quite often because apart from being a naturopath, I'm the coordinator of this care and I'm kind of scooping all the clues up as we go along and working out how we shuffle the process. But the um, specialist will come in too. We'll get the specialist to talk to us, to talk to the patient. So the patient will be paying for the specialist time, the doctor's time and the naturopath's time. But if they're on site, uh, yeah, we'll all be sitting in the same room and the client will come and sit in the same room as us. And we'll have a combined session. Um, it's, it can sometimes, if there's a lot of work to do, mm. those sessions can be really intense. It's quite exhausting for the patient. It is like having three consultations in the one hour. Um, so our really weak patients will might make them shorter. We might only make them 30 minutes mm -hmm. and we get them to lie down during the consultation. We ask them to bring a family member if cognition's not great or, you know, if they do fatigue easily, um, which helps. So sometimes there'll be five of us in the room or six of us in the room. Wow. Um, and everybody's writing notes, um, all the practitioners have laptops and they're all entering into their medical data in real time. And um, so the most shared, important thing about that... Is it a shared document, like Google Docs kind of concept, where they're all in on the same document? Yeah, the medical software, the medical software that we use, um, we've all got access to the client's file and we can all work on the client's file simultaneously. That's a new feature of the medical software that's taken almost 20 years to get added in to it. Um, but, and we've all got access to the pathology in real time. Um, and the then the other bit that's really in important. case anybody's interested. So uh, best practice. Oh, it is best practice. I can't know best practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. allows it. Um, I mean, there's no, there's a few people trying to write integrative software. There's a, not a bad one in the States. IFM are using it, mm. um, but we don't have access to, to it here in Australia. Um, but the other really important point, Angela, with the group consultations is um, a direction. And it's really easy to sit and really dig in and have a great discussion, but somebody needs to draw together the gems yeah. and somebody needs to draw together the action plan. And um, that's where the role of the coordinator is really important. And I think as naturopaths, we're really well placed to do this work, mm -hmm. to understand the priority. And so, you know, from the group discussion, what we've identified is number one priority is we've got to get that sleep restored. Yeah. So all of us are going to work on that step. First of all, with maybe the doctor goes, well, let's bring in some melatonin. The naturopath goes, uh, let's stop capping. Um, 
and let's bring in some uh, Nervine herbs during the day and the psychologist goes, I'm going to get you an app that's going to get you to focus and do some breath work. Mm. And so what's really important in a group consultation is you draw it in and get a direction and give the client, here's the very first step we believe you need to take for us to progress. And we need to agree on that in the group consultation. So there does need to be a lot of humility in those, a lot of respect yeah. um, for the other practitioners, but also for the client. Um, and with, with and the, that's when the goal happens. Do, do you go away and put your heads together after you've seen that patient uh, and then write up uh, the process? Or no. do you? Okay. Yeah. It, that has to happen in real time. The client has to walk away with some sort of direction at the end of that group consultation. It, it could be as simple as we need more testing. Mm. Let's get the client to do a sleep study and um, let's send them off for some bloods and a CBSA. Um, you know, it could be we need more information. We don't actually know how to address this sleep issue, for example. Mm. But there definitely has to be a point of direction at the end of that group consultation. Otherwise, the client does leave pretty unhappy okay. with the approach. Yeah. So can I, can I ask you about the patient journey? Because I'm just not clear on what it actually looks like. So the patient's booked in. They're either staying in, you know, in the clinic or they're coming in on a day, day visit. Um, they come in and have their initial mm -hmm. consultation. And that at that initial consultation... Um, is, is there a pre-screening so that you can determine which practitioners are required or yeah. what, what happens? The and what, then what happens? Like how many times do they see that group of practitioners? Um, do they get then looked after by one practitioner ongoing for a while? What happens? How's it work? <laughs> yeah. So the initial consultation um, is usually with me yep. and from there I'll identify who would probably be the best team. Okay. From that, I will take that, that um, information back to the team meeting. So I would schedule that for a team meeting for the Tuesday or the Friday morning. And I would discuss it with the team. And then the team, you know, I might have missed something. The team might say, look, this person definitely needs a psychiatrist involved. Um, I can say they have got one involved. They can go, great. We need a report from the psychiatrist. We need to know what they've found. So then part of my job, as the coordinator is to get that information and then present it again at the next team meeting. Um, and then I will contact the patient and say, look, this is the team we think. This is the approximate cost, which you need to just dis disclose upfront every time. Um, this is my suggested next step. So this role of coordinator is different to the role of a naturopath. Mm. And, um, and then you would do a few treatments and check back in with the client, go, how did those treatments go? You would check back into with the team at the team meeting and they might be individual sessions. They won't always be combined. Right. Um, it's rare that it's combined. It, the main one that we do combine is Dr. Naturopath. Right. Every other modality, it's more we touch base at the team meeting. Um, or we have a little meeting together. Occasionally I'll bring the TCM practitioners in, uh, especially where there's complex immune conditions, uh, like tick-borne disease, um, 
we'll, we'll sometimes do a combined with the TCM practitioners. But other than that, the sessions will be one-on-one. -on -one. Okay. And the coordinator then is talking to the different team members, having follow-up sessions with the patient, assessing the efficacy of that treatment protocol, those mm -hmm. treatments with those practitioners, and then uh, possibly bringing it back to the team meeting, revising. You know, sometimes somebody doesn't gel with one of the team members. They might go, you know, that psychologist just doesn't work for me. So then you have to try a different psychologist. So sometimes it's a bit of trial and error, seeing how it's going to fit and work going back to the drawing board. But what you should see if you know you've got the right team and in the right order, um, because that's another point worth discussing is order of treatment, is you should just start to see little wins. And that's when you know, yep, we're on the right track. Not a little win, yep, we're on the right track. And if you're not seeing wins, there's something you're doing wrong and it's possibly it's the wrong order of treatments. Mm -hmm. um, so bringing in psychotherapy with somebody who has PTSD and is in an, a, an acute event, you know, you, it's pretty hard to use strategies. You really do need to use some TCM, um, some Nervine herbs and some craniosacral therapy first. So you really do need, and sometimes you do go in at the wrong entry point. And, and if you're not winning, you need to pull back out, reassess and go, okay, I've gone, in to, I've gone in the wrong door. They do need psychology for PTSD, but until they can sit and cognitate and really start to contemplate what's going on for them, if the psychologist really has very little to work with. Similar with herbs, you know, we may throw herbs at a patient and really get no results. And it's like, you know, until we're addressing this you know, extreme suicidal ideation, we're probably gonna need medications mm. and our herbs aren't gonna be had in this room. There's way too much noise in the room. So it really, you can trial the softer approaches and you may be out by a few degrees and have to pull back and reassess. And that's also the job of the coordinator, mm. group coordinator. Yes. That, 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 that runs in parallel with what most practitioners would be aware of, what well, I hope they'd be aware of, is that, you know, do you do the detox first or do the uh, weight loss program first or you take the stress down first? So that's, that is crucial to be able to identify that um, and that, that's a, a great way to go. I know that when you and I spoke a little while back, you told me that you would never practice any differently. You would never practice any other way than having the group. Uh, consultations. Uh, is there a particular reason why you say you wouldn't go back to the old way? Just with complex clients, it's um, feels too risky now. Mm. When when you're dealing with somebody who's so desperate, who's grappling for support, and if I'm trying to be everything to them, um, I don't think I can be everything to somebody who's in an acute space, even with my skill set. Um, without the support and maybe I've become lazy and maybe I'm just <laughs> I don't think I'm you're oh, ever lazy oh, <laughs> oh, I'm going to call a friend on this one <laughs> saying that Angela there is a lot of clients I see that I don't have a team you know, right. it's just one on one pretty straightforward stuff it's a straight can be the case you know I'm just going to deal yeah. with fungal issues um, so I'd, I'd say probably 
40% of my client base are combined. Yep, okay, and that's a fair percentage. Yeah, and 60% are probably just one-on-ones that I'll refer out to the odd other practitioner, but we may never even take them to the table. Mm. Um, but they appreciate that other 60% that I do have the team to lean on if I hit a dead end. Um, or yeah. if I'm not getting the results, I can just go to Oscar. Oscar, I'm missing here. You know, they've got this really low white blood cell count uh, and their platelets. They've got no platelets. You know, what am I missing here? Yeah. Um, so they do love that they're not just getting me in a consultation, they're getting the collective knowledge yes. from the whole team. And I think that's the other thing a lot of patients really appreciate. I think there's safety in that as well. You know, you, you, at, the, at the moment we're sort of at a crux in time and history where a lot of people are losing work, a lot of, you know, there's, you know, there's doubt around the future of the economy and we don't want cheaper. You know, people do not want cheap treatment at that time. What they want is surety and safety and they want knowledge that they're going to get results for what they're paying for. So I think your, your you know, the Health Lodge is definitely offering that. I'm conscious of your time too, Ren at the moment because I know you've got to get back into your, your busy clinic. But I do, I love your solid vision of what good medicine looks like. And the podcast title is Standing on the Shoulders of Giants. So do you have any advice for practitioners that where they can actually stand on your shoulders, where they can actually be better at what they do? Um, my advice would sit around... Um use build a team around yourself um, and it'll generally be different modalities and i'm sure many practitioners are doing this already um, but start it start an inter-referral um, process if you're really dedicated to supporting patients um, through this journey, you know, find who's a local psychologist that really will work in with you, who's a local doctor, who's a local TCM practitioner, um, and don't try to be everything to everyone. Um, another bit of advice is don't undercharge. Mm. I think um, there's this weird theory that because it's natural and nature provides her gifts for free, that we shouldn't be charging for our skill set. And um, I think that really undermines the value of what we are offering. Um, it was a beautiful moment that I recall um, where I was uh, did a lecture for Henry Osiki uh, in the days that they used to run their conferences. Mm -hmm. And Henry came up to me after it and he said, are you a busy naturopath? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. And he said, double your prices and see half the amount of patients or you'll burn out. These were his words of wisdom to me. Nice. I was like, crikey, double my prices. Wow, what's that going to look like? I thought, you know what, I'll give it a go. And I just doubled them overnight. And But I didn't take his other piece of advice. I didn't half the amount of clients <laughs> I was seeing. But my book's jammed. So the second I put the right value on my services, mm -hmm. patients also were able to value the services. Mm -hmm. And um, so if there was one bit of wisdom, it was please charge correctly for your services. Um, undercharging just leaves everybody undervaluing and underserviced. 
and it's just really hard for us to be the best we can be if we're not getting paid adequately Absolutely. for yeah, the amount we're putting in. And I think that's, that's great advice. And, you know, what happens when people put their prices up? It's, it's not that necessarily that the patients go, oh, they're a better practitioner because you can get better overnight, magically. But what changed was that you valued yourself at a higher pace. Yeah. And that, that yeah. puts out into, you know, that's energetic. That is energetic. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, oh, today delightful. Thank you so much, Ren. I'll let you get back to your patients. And it's a pleasure. You're more than welcome. Thank you for listening to the Metagenics Best Practice Podcast. We hope you found today's discussion helpful in your own professional journey. Sharing our experiences as practitioners is such a great way to develop together. So before you go, why not take a moment to share this episode with someone that you know will value it. And whether you're listening on iTunes, Spotify or any of the other platforms, remember to like and review the episode too. We read all of your comments and would love to hear your suggestions for future topics. Head to metagenics.com.au for downloads, links and other business support materials. Standing on the shoulders of giants, supporting you in creating your best practice.